children, honor your father and mother. I do want to begin just with a little bit of a uh, notation along with that, is that as I speak on the role of children honoring their father and mother, I will not be able to speak to every kind of nuance and every kind of relationship that a parent and child experience. So I want to say that up front, that if there is complexity between the relationship, I thought in my heart of abusive situations where a father has abused his children, uh, a mother, that being physical or verbal, sexual abuse, I, I, I don't mean to wound or injure when I call for honoring your parents. I want you to understand that as we would handle a discussion of children and parent relationship, there are many discussions that would come alongside also in understanding the full biblical teaching on a role of a parent and child relationship. So this morning, please, as I think of the affirmative of the fifth commandment, that indeed, children must honor their parents. I don't wish to wound or injure, but to instruct and be helpful so that we would recognize where there is a complexity of relationship in some form that is abusive and hurtful, there would be continual discussion, further nuancing of the role of a child in relationship to a parent who is abusive and injurious towards them. So with that then said, I do want to put before you the force of each one of the Ten Commandments as a mirror use to each of us. How are we doing? And in that, as we look at children honoring parents, the role of the parents in creating an environment of honor, there is indeed a need for all of us to flee to the gospel. It reveals to us a knowledge of our own sinfulness, and that is sure. And then it comes, we come back unto the law renewed by the grace of Christ to ask, what is my duty now having been justified that I would create as an adult the context for honor in my home? And as a child, I would honor my parents by grace. An evidence within a culture, and I think we're seeing it very clearly within our culture, in society, in various, um, it, it transcends economy, um, education, all of these political elements that we would speak of that we, we kind of trace um, the needs within our culture to come alongside creating an environment for children to thrive. It captivates political dialogue all the time. Read the newspaper, turn on the internet, uh, or click on the internet maybe, turn on the TV, all of those ways to get information. And you'll see there is an issue with our children. A sure sign of a collapsing culture, a point of exposure, is the children. I don't say that as a political comment or a point of analysis. I say that as biblical. Listen to Romans 1 as I would read it for you and we'll progress. You don't need to turn there. Romans 1, beginning in verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Okay, so already right there, you're hearing the apostles speak of all manner of unrighteousness, as in a 100,000 foot level of a crumbling culture, of a crumbling, giving way to depravity. Way up here. And then in this kind of funnel, or in this spiral down, listen to as he begins to list. Every kind of evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceitful, malicious gossips, slanderers, haters of God, 
insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. A point of exposure to a crumbling culture. You probably didn't expect there to be a comment on disobedient children wrapped up into malice and hating God. Maybe we've just made too slight of it. He goes on then to list again in the New Testament in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul, yet again writing to Timothy, the young pastor, he says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. There was an article published just recently entitled, The Rise of the Violent Little Emperors. Children lashing out at their parents to get their own way. Children are becoming increasingly, I read for you the article, children are becoming increasingly violent toward their parents when they do not get their own way, a leading psychologist has warned us. The little emperors of this spoiled generation lash out both at home, particularly at mothers who stand in their way, and school or even nursery. You can tell this was written overseas. We don't call preschool nursery. Anyway. Experts have blamed the decline in respect for authority on a lack of clear parental boundaries and rules, as well as an emphasis on children's rights. So the experts have determined we don't tell them anything anymore, and we give them all the rights afforded them that we can possibly find. And they're saying, we're kind of coming around to the conclusion it's creating a spoiled generation, someone who doesn't obey. The article goes on to describe parent abuse, parent battery appear to be on the rise. What seems to underlie all of this has to do with parenting, the lack of clear boundaries, and the reversal of authority in the home. It's the extreme end of the spoilet generation where they actually lash out at parents, almost exclusively their mothers. There's a lack of impulse control, demands for instant gratification, and not accepting deferred gratification. They'll beat up their moms if they don't get what they want now. It's a beastly combination of a sense of entitlement and a lack of respect for one's mother. To conclude with the article, Dr. William Shanahan, Executive Medical Director at Capio Nightingale Hospital in London, contributes his piece to this article in an interview, and he says, quote, there's definitely a fall-off of respect and a loosening of boundaries with a view that no discipline is acceptable. It's got to the point where people aren't correcting their children anymore. Justine Roberts and co-founder of the Mumsnet website, said, quote, this generation of parents has moved on. That would be all of you who would be having children in the future and us who currently have them. We, this morning, 
This generation of parents has moved on from the because I said so style of parenting of our own parents into a more praise-based model. But she warns, sometimes you just have to lay down the law. Ten Commandments, the law, the function and usefulness of the law. And it is clear when we have disregarded it and put the law aside as a clear guidance for the people of God, indeed, we have given way to a bad, bad model of leading our homes. That is, an ever-present result, I would submit to you, of our praise-based parenting model is the emotional captivity of the parent. I can say that. It's kind of neat. I can talk on parenting now because I do have a couple of them. So it's kind of neat. Once you have a child, you're like, great, I'm authority on the matter. I can now talk about parenting. (laughs) But I put myself in these same categories. I would even if I didn't have children. A thought of having children. A thought of being a son. I have been in the place with my own children where I've been emotionally held captive. You're in a public situation, here it is, you're just thinking, just stay with me, just stay with me. Don't cause this thing to spiral out of control. Don't, please. As parents, we have been held emotionally hostage by our children. Instead of being godly leaders that we have been called to be, In a praise-based model, we have become the lead negotiators our children have forced us to be. The gospel creed of a praise-based parenting model is this. Don't deny. Distract. Don't correct. Emotionally connect. Don't Demand request. Don't force compliance. Negotiate the terms of agreement. Paul Tripp, I would commend his literature. He has a ministry called Paul Tripp Ministries. He was a seminary professor at Westminster, Philadelphia, and then he's gone on to uh, do his own ministry called Paul Tripp Ministries where he travels around, conference speaks, and speaks on children, relationships with their adults, and so forth, and pastoral counseling and, and a slew of other things. He is a very, very wise teacher. We carry his resources. Again, it's not a commercial for the bookstop, but we do carry his resources here. It's a non-for-profit. Relax. But indeed, his literature is rich with very insightful comment. He quotes on children. It's amazing to be in a mall or grocery store and watch a four-year-old child with hands on hips and jaw set argue with somebody who's lived 40 years longer than them and who's three times their size. (laughs) That only makes sense to that little one who's a quarter of your size. It makes sense to them to throw down with you. Because you've taught them that. It defies logic. That's his point. It's insane. Not to that little one. It's not because they've considered how big you are. They've been taught how big they are. 
They've thrown the leash and they're taking you for a walk <laughs> and letting you go with them to the grocery store. That is, you see, in our current child-centric society, the fifth commandment, I warn each of us, it fails to even register. So this morning, as indeed it is about the children within the community of the people of God right here, our own children being instructed, each of us who have contributed to the chaos taking place here, it is about each one of the children. It is that much more so even about the adults. We cannot be fired up on the fifth commandment to go and put the kids in the woodshed when we get home. When the fifth commandment won't even register to a child. Because you've been honoring them. How can you turn and apply a call for the fifth commandment in leading them to the gospel, in honoring father and mother when they don't even know what that means? It is for us to concern ourselves with how might we faithfully lead our children in honoring the fifth commandment. So how can we do so together, honor and obey the fifth commandment? The first consideration for us this morning, I want to kind of start with a basic definition of the fifth commandment, of how it looks. I want to then proceed to the primary context for that and then look at a few elements that I think we can see from the biblical text of how indeed we must actively apply the fifth commandment to our homes. A basic understanding of the fifth commandment here of children, if you, well, it's probably best you turn there. I can then just read it and not poorly quote it. <clears throat> Exodus 20, if you're there in the fifth commandment, <clears throat> beginning with verse 12, as you have heard read, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. A basic understanding of this fifth commandment as God's call to Israel to the parents. Teach your children that they must honor their father and mother. That is, parents are by God's design. You see this? This is where the rubber meets the road on the definition of the family. God's design for the family. How then the family begins to operate and instruct to lead the children of the family unto the gospel through the law. That is, by God's design, parents are to be revered. And that the honor we give them, think of your children now, and the honor that we give them is to be a reflection of the honor that we ought to give to God, who is our Heavenly Father. Now, without stopping, let me read that one last time. Parents are, by God's design, to be revered, and that the honor that we give them is to be a reflection of the honor that we ought to give to God, who is our Heavenly Father. So when we think of the fifth commandment as mom and dad, or as dad, or as mom, in whatever our context is, one who is a steward over a little one, we can think of the fifth commandment first and foremost already as evangelistic in nature. You want those little ones to grow up 
and love the God of their father, of their mother, of their father. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you want them to love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you want for your children, for your little ones. And they will learn that as they are led in honoring you as their earthly father. You will point them, yes, to dad, but to dad by God's design. And you're guiding them through the law unto the gospel. This is the function evangelistically of the fifth commandment to our little ones. And it serves what we have said all along, the function and use of the law to be a mirror. When they're in the store and they've drawn their line on that tile in Giant Eagle, they've drawn the line there at the checkout, I am having that butterfinger. And you're like, stop touching all of those things. Put them down. No. Buy it for me. There you enter in to the fifth commandment. And you will lead them to the gospel. Through forcing them to honor dead in this moment. It is a mirror to them and a knowledge of their own sin. As it is to you when you abdicate your leadership and you buy the butterfinger just to get out of there. It is a mirror to the whole family. And that mirror then shows us our own sin and in that mirror, provision is made as we flee to the gospel. We see also the remedy. And together we lead our children in honoring unto the gospel. And dad needs to step up and stop abdicating. I need the gospel. Grant what is needed that I might lead my family faithfully. This is the use evangelistically to our little ones of the fifth commandment. Furthermore, if we have a basic understanding that mom and dad are by God's design to be revered in the home, we must recognize that the primary context, the primary context for teaching and learning honor and respect for mom and dad as well as for others is the family unit. That is the primary context where we will teach little ones honor reverence, respect, not only for mom and dad, but for siblings. As they learn it for siblings, for fellow school boys and girls. They will learn it, the primary context according to God's design is the family unit. This puts the responsibility of the fifth commandment where? Right back on mom and dad. This is where they will learn it by God's design, from you. And when you abdicate it and give it away and surrender ground every moment of every day, because ultimately, let's admit it, it's easier, they won't learn it. To the church of Christ, we cannot farm it out. If we take them to the daycare center, we cannot concern our hearts with, I hope the daycare is teaching them that. 
you still teach them that. It assists if you're lucky. They might come alongside and help and reinforce. Really, they're just going to keep the peace. So for you, dad, you, mom, it's still on your shoulders to promote and teach and guide your children in the fifth commandment. Off at school, great. It's not the teacher's fault. My wife was a teacher, by the way. I know how that works. It wasn't her fault. We cannot farm it out. Schools can help and assist, maybe come alongside, but they, 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 they serve and teach and discipline with their arms and legs tied behind their backs. I think that's called like a hog tie. And I think that's pretty much what your authority amounts to at this point in time. And then we demand, why aren't our kids learning this? How can these kids beat another kid senselessly on the bus? What was that bus driver doing? Well, that's a little late in the game, everybody. What was mom and dad doing? The fifth commandment of honor and respect for mom and dad and brother, sister, and others outside the family unit is taught in the family unit. We cannot farm it out. Consider even within the church, we cannot hire a youth pastor and make sure that when they get to youth group, hopefully the youth pastor is teaching them. By the time they get home, they'll be different. Send them off to camp. Hopefully they come back with a little bit of respect in their britches. Wait. Only if you put it there. It is upon us, mom and dad, the family unit, to teach our children the way of righteousness. So with that in mind, with a basic understanding of the call for our children to reverence mom and dad, the responsibility to mom and dad to recognize the family unit is the primary context for instructing a child's heart in honor and obedience. I want to offer us, according to God's design, for creating a context of honor. I think I have four things. Four things that will help us, moms and dads, in considering how is it then, if, if it is that my children are to revere me, they are to honor me as dad, and Adri as mom then how is it that dad can create a context where that makes sense to them? That's upon me, dad. I have to create a garden context in my home. It's nothing like Eden. It's chaotic. It was like the land outside maybe, but not the sanctuary garden. We have to, so, so, so here is my home. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm master of this area. I have to create then strategically, biblically, a context for when I try to guide my children in the fifth commandment, they at least, though it will be a mirror to me and to them in our very imperfect working it out, it will at least have some sense of making sense to them that I am not them. We're not the same. And they're not here, and I'm down here, but the proper context to create biblically in our homes so that our children can be evangelized in, led in the fifth commandment. How can we do so? Number one, God's design for parents in creating a context for honor is number one, to recognize your child is a blessing. 
I want to build each one of these. There's four of them. I want to build them kind of like rungs on a ladder. That if we, if we take step one, we will of necessity be pushed on to step number two. And step number one, in my estimations of how can we, by biblical wisdom, create a context by which our children can, can, can understand the call to revere and honor mom and dad, is number one, we as mom and dad must recognize our children are a blessing. I cite for you Psalm 127.3. I'm sure many of you have received it on a card. Those of you who have had children or maybe it's been taken out and meditated on your own heart. Psalm 127.3. Children are. I just want to affirm. We must bring our hearts back to this when that little one is in the aisle demanding his butterfinger. We still have to work. This children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. When we look at these little ones, it's critical we begin there. They are a blessing. As a blessing, though, that has implications. We cannot stop there. It isn't a doctrine in a vacuum. It has implications then. If they are a blessing and we receive it as such, there are the implications that we must carefully bring them up and teach them the Lord. If they are a blessing from Him... We can't say they are a blessing in isolation. I just goo over them. I just, I I make them an idol. I could love them all day long, snuggle and hold them. Well, that's all true. But along with being from the Lord, we must lead them as from Him back unto Him. And that requires careful teaching and training by mom and dad. So already we recognize, yet again, mom and dad must lead the discussion, must guide in the context of honor, even when we consider they are simply a wonderful blessing from the Lord. Proverbs 1.8, I want to point out, this is a function as we consider our family units and the different ways in which our families break down and work and stay home or no stay home and partial stay home, all the various ways in which we operate. I just want to encourage you in wisdom literature from Proverbs that the instruction of the children was both guided by dad and mom. So it is that Proverbs 1.8, hear my son, your father's instruction. That implies dad is instructing. And it's a call to your children. Listen to it. And forsake not your mother's teaching. This is a joint effort. Mom and dad, think about that relationally. If we are to guide our children whatsoever in the fifth commandment, we must love one another. Dad can't be over here teaching his own principles for living and then mom over here preaching her own and it's because dad doesn't really talk with mom. Mom doesn't really talk with dad. We must come together. Headship in the home. Men mustn't grow with their wives. And we must together teach and train and lead our children. This reminds us immediately, I would put to you the implication for us is that when we consider our children are a blessing from the Lord, it reminds us that we are stewards of our children. We are not slave owners. That's critical to remember. Sometimes I really want Owen to just go get my pop for me. That's fine. I do have him go get it. But I'm reminded that's not why God gave him to me. I'm a steward of a little life. I am not a slave owner. 
I am to guide them as being from him back unto him by recognizing they are a blessing from him. Second thing I think that we can grow in understanding about the fifth commandment and God's design for parents in creating a context in our home where our children can have a sense of what it means to honor dad and mom is kind of building on the first one again, the second run to recognize when one, they're a blessing from God. And then that leads us into the second run. We naturally take that second step that number two, we treat them with dignity. We must treat them with dignity. I think many of us have heard this text or seen it or so forth. If you would turn to the book of Ephesians in your New Testament, I just want to read that text for you. Let your eyes set upon it for a moment and recognize the instruction of Paul to the church at Ephesus as we recognize how is it that parents are to treat their children, that the children might honor them. Ephesians 6, if you're there in the 6th chapter, verses 1 through 4, that we as children, uh, recognizing that they are a blessing, we then want to treat them with the dignity that they deserve. Verse 1, Paul reinforces the tablet that is the Ten Commandments to the New Testament church. So we know, according to verse 1, we're well on our way in a right pathway. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. What a blessing and a promise to the children of obedience. Verse 4. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what this means, the way that Paul paired it together to the children, affirming what we're doing this morning, affirming the fifth commandment to the children. Children, obey. Children, honor. Mom and dad. And by the way, dad, if you just somehow apart from faith, became empowered with license? Let me warn. The due respect that a child provides does not provide dad with license to abuse. That is, that God's command for the children to obey does not provide license to dad to treat them as slaves, provoking and mistreating them. This is your role as dad. It is their role in a family unit by God's design that they would honor and submit to you. And it is not that command which provides you with power over them in a malicious spirit. Now again, I do want to caveat that just a little bit. I do. I might differ from you in just a little bit. I think that's one of the things that uh, is always awkward about parents talking with other parents is because parenting is always that point of exposure for ourselves. And so, again, it can be quite a hot topic to suggest anyone could do anything a little bit differently. Just don't suggest it. Think it, but don't suggest it. That is, for me, I do think that on a biblical context, there is clearly within this commandment still that my children, children in general, must honor their parents period. Some will say, well, we only want that which flows from the heart, truly obedient, truly spirit-led. I would suggest we do, indeed. 
We want to see their hearts respond in love to mom and dad. Why? Just so that we'll have a loving relationship and good Christmases for many years to come? No. To guide them unto the Lord with that same heart that they love dad. To love the Lord. Dad's God. This is the role of the commandment. However, that isn't to say until we can get there in the heart and we can determine it, just let them run loose. There is an element within the commandment that dad will suggest to them, we'll work on it later, but right now you will do it. There is a function for mom and dad and for dad particularly to suggest you will not act that way in this home. Period. And there is authority for him. Indeed, a commandment for him to do so in leading his home before the face of God. Children, honor your father. And you will do so. Not like later, maybe when we work it out together. Now. You will conform. I think and an application to that because I don't want to get in this sense where the biblical evidence that does not show that whatsoever is that dad will be respected as he gains the respect that is due him. Dad will be respected first. And this does not provide license to dad to say since I have that, I will treat them maliciously and lord over them. Dad will suffer consequence for that as well. But dad and mom must be honored in the home. This is something in a secondary application that we consider, I think, uh, in the job place. Maybe some of you see it. Where, how are we equipping our children, even in the workforce, when already uh, we have people who will work at maybe this level in their work performance, in their workplace, and then you maybe here, or maybe you're a coworker of theirs, and this one individual has been given assignment to perform. And then guess what they do? They ask, why? You were all supposed to fall on the floor right now. That was the punchline. No. They ask why, right? Because I need a reason for my authority to tell me what to do. Okay, we don't need that. Just go. We've got other people to take your spot. Well, I was just, I, I think that it's only reasonable that you give to me not just my orders, but reasons. That's how are we equipping our children to work in the workplace where they might not, believe it or not, I know our children are awesome, but they might not walk out day one as the president of the company and the head of the board. They may have to just get along. But when dad and mom have not led them in honor, have not taught them respect, they will go in and they will sweep only if it makes sense to them. And they will be fired. We must equip our children. There is a place for dialogue. There is a place for decision making, talking, negotiating, being kind, sharing. But it isn't across the board that you are like me and I am like you and we're obeying the fifth commandment. We must instruct them. You just need to trust dad 
You need to trust mom. And build that relationship together of reverence and honor. Third thing of how we can understand creating mom and dad, a biblical context by which our children can actually receive the comment of the fifth commandment and be led in obedience is to provide biblical instruction. If you would, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 to see how that is worked out here right after the commandments are given here in the life of Israel as Moses would instruct. If you turn, how can mom and dad create a context whereby our children can grasp the concept of honoring mom and dad? It is number three, by providing biblical instruction. If you're there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'll read for you verses 4 down through 9. And look at the call to mom and dad together, remembering Proverbs 1.8, that it's mom and dad instructing. But verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You see, this is what mom and dad are to do. Provide biblical instruction. Not like as a form of manipulation, a way to manipulate their conscience if you have a child who has a sensitive one, an easy way to shortcut the process of training and instructing is to manipulate and quote a text. Found you, got your conscience, got to do it, you know that. It is different than that. Biblical wisdom is to constantly instruct. Look at God's good creation and his evidence of the God that dad and mom serve. Take opportunity to instruct them in His glory. When you see it, it's all around you. The great artificer of all creation, His fingerprint is everywhere. It's to be a part of our home and a lifestyle that we instruct our children in the glory of God and His handiwork all the time. That includes teaching on the law and instructing and disciplining. And it includes encouraging and exciting them with the glory of God and creation and for their good. It isn't a moment. It's all the moments. And that takes labor for mom and dad. Trust me. You know that. I know that. You who don't have children will learn that. Sometimes they talk and talk and talk and talk and talk some more. And there's chance to converse even with them. And you think, I kind of don't want to. I don't want to talk anymore. You find that hard to believe for me. But it's true. It's true. I have those moments. And they're never in alignment with my children. And it takes labor. But that's God's design. And He will provide the grace that is necessary. That we guide our children in the law and lead them through the law to the gospel. That then leads us to apply number four. If we recognize then they're a blessing, 
we receive that they must have dignity as image bearers of God and we must treat them as such, provide biblical instruction that will guide them in their little lives. That leads then to number four in the kind of final piece of context creating is we must apply loving discipline. We must apply loving discipline. Now we might disagree on the method of punitive damages that will be brought to the children lawbreakers. We might disagree on the method. I think mine's right. Oh, I'm not allowed to say that. In parenting, you are not allowed to say that. Not to other parents. But we do agree on one thing. We must, as the people of God, must absolutely come under the authority of God's word and agree to apply discipline to these little hearts. Obedience to the fifth commandment requires, absolutely requires, applying discipline consistently. That's the hard piece. Lovingly. That's not too hard because you love them. You don't want to sit there and work them over for hours. It just doesn't even make sense. You love them. And carefully. We must do it in guiding their little hearts. Without discipline, your children will never understand the fifth commandment. A text that strengthens us, consider Proverbs 13, 24. You've heard it. Maybe your dad's quoted it before he's bent you over, as they say, to dust your britches. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline. And it is diligence. It's hard. Sometimes, I'm just going to be quite honest with you, sometimes I walk in and I see things that are not working out. They're not good. Things are going in the wrong direction. And given my own feelings in the matter, the pathway to freedom for me is to pretend I didn't see it. That's it. That happens like, I don't know, a couple hundred times a day. <laughs> it's better for me to take this route and act like I'm shocked by the outcomes. Oh, I can't believe you guys. And I saw it developing the whole time. It's like, oh, I just hopefully it works out. And it never does. And it shouldn't have taken that pathway because dad should have got involved. Because I love my children and want what's best for them. And that isn't momentary Christmases. It's the gospel and life. That I would use the law to lead my children as the law is used in me unto the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dad, get off your butt. Go in there and deal with that. If you love your children, you will. He who spares it, casts it off, reveals a heart of hatred for his own children. You say, well, I would never hate them. It reveals a heart of hatred because you love yourself more. Serve your children and love them. I want to conclude our time with a particular text. Many of us maybe have glossed over or read past. Hopefully, I'm banking on the fact that you've glossed over it and haven't seen this. The writer of First and Second Kings, he's preparing a two-volume set for us, 
right? So we're going to be able to kind of track the kingdom of Israel and how things are going in the kings. In chapter 1, it's an interesting statement that really ought to stick out to each one of us as parents and all of us as the people of God as we consider the lives of little ones and the way that we respond to our parents also. He's getting ready to tell the story of Adonijah, one of David's sons. And maybe some of you remember this story that is Adonijah, just before the writer of the first volume of Kings is getting ready to detail for us his point of deterioration to where he ultimately is put to death by his own brother. He's getting ready to tell us, okay, get ready, reader. Here goes the car accident. But there's something I need to tell you before you see the wreck as a word to you. 1 Kings 1.6 His father, David, had never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done thus and so? David gave way to a praise-based model. Affirm, 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 affirm. He never displeased that boy a day in his life. Never allowed the law to be a mirror in the knowledge of that little boy's own sinfulness, that he might lead him to the God of Israel. But he thought it better in the moment to let it go. Because you love that little one. And you don't want to bring countenance down. Now, it's not really that complex. It's much more like you're too lazy to do what's necessary in loving them. And you don't ever tell them no. In a moment, would you consider that David wanted that end for Adonijah? That kind of reckless behavior in the end? Of course not. Do you want that for your little ones? They can't keep a job? They get kicked out of school left and right? They run up the stairs in your home, slam the door, shouting how much they hate you? Is that what you want? No. No one wants that. Then as best as we can, relying on the grace that God would grant, do what is necessary. Guide them. Love them. Biblically. Final application to each of us leads us then to mom and dad that obeying the fifth commandment as parents, it is hard. It is very, very hard. Creating the context for the fifth commandment to be heard requires that you step up and say no to this self-sovereign little one. And it's going to be very tempting to make your day easier or your moment easier by making your child happier by withdrawing your authority. That's easy. And when we wake up and these little ones are all over the table and things are on the ceiling, it's going to be easier to pretend I didn't see it. It's easier, but do you love them? And then we think of this huge task of raising children before the face of God. Again, you're a steward, not a slave owner. These are your responsibilities given you by your God. And you must uphold them. When you think, I can't. There's no way. That little one will not bend his will to me for a moment. It is not going to work. I don't have what it takes. Your wife is calling you, crying. 
because someone's hanging from a chandelier in the house and refuses to come down. You think, what is going on here? I can't do this. I don't have what it takes to guide my children in their little hearts through the law and under the gospel. I can't do it. And it's only 7.13 in the morning, Monday. Be strengthened. Don't turn to a legalist. Remember, that child hanging from the ceiling is a mirror to you of your own sinfulness and your need of the gospel. And so then you go with Paul at 7.13 with the child still hanging. Don't deal with it. Step back out, close the door, take a moment, and remember. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. It is a mirror. Let it guide you unto the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Then, strengthened by His might, His power, by grace that He would grant, dare you open that door back up and deal with the situation at hand because you love them. Children, honor your parents for this is right. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would help us